Mitch Gallo. <laughs> You're listening to the Montreal's Finest Podcast. I'm Mitch Gallo, and welcome to another edition where we seek out cool people in Montreal that can either inspire us or motivate us, and sometimes both. Today's guest is a former high school friend of mine, and uh, she is now a marine biologist. Just the title sounds so cool. Uh, Rochelle Labé-Bellis. That's it. You still remember. Of course. Well, <laughs> uh, the Labé thing was added. No, no. That's always my last name. Okay. Okay. You never had that well, when your name was, was called in attendance at school. I think it was uh, the last name, French-Canadian last names are long, and then we would always hyphenate L-Bellis. Okay. But uh, now I'm a little bit less shy or Less shy, lazy. More, more proud. <laughs> more appropriate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ever ever get uh, tired of uh, being called Rachel? Um, no. <laughs> it's okay. I, after, I You know what? French Canadians actually say Rachel more than English people because they translate my name. When, right. they, when they speak to me, they say, Salut Rachel, comment ça va? And then they say, oh, Rachel over here. And I'm like, all right, well, it's, it's okay. It's interchangeable. It's funny, Good. though, because I saw you on uh, TV a couple weeks ago, and that's why I bring up the uh, the Rachel thing, because he called you uh, Rachel to start. Yes, and, and you corrected And him. you corrected him, which is awesome, because yeah. people should always do that. I would never want to call somebody by the wrong name, and it's happened to me, too. Well, you know, thank you. In sports, I get difficult names that are Russian or Slovak or from different parts of the world, and sometimes they're... They're hard. hard to pronounce. Yeah. Uh, but everybody only has one name. Yeah. So I always figure you got to get it right. Yeah. It was also St. Jean-Baptiste Day. So I made an effort to show that I have <laughs> okay. the Quebec roots. Nice. It actually worked out. Everyone thought it was funny, but there was one random Facebook comment that wasn't well received. Oh, really? Someone was angry that I corrected my name. Oh, come on. And then I said, you know what? I'm talking about the environment. If they're angry about that, I'm not even going to respond. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure. Uh, who was, did you know offhand who the reporter was? was uh, no. Was it Paul Kowalski? Yeah. yeah, it was Sunday night, mm-hmm. um, 6.30 news. Yeah, I'm telling Sunday. you, he is not upset about the correction. Oh. So, you know, it, it's funny because everyone always gets upset on behalf of other people now. Yeah, and I, and I think that would be the case. Like, if yeah. I got corrected, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I'd be like, I'm sorry for messing up your name. That's yeah, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so marine biologist. That's me. I love the title because Thanks. I don't know what it means. I know what marine means and I know what biologist means, but I don't yeah. really know what the two connected mean. Okay. I think the first time I ever heard the term yeah. was watching Seinfeld. Oh. Because George make, Costanza... He wants to be a marine biologist? He wants to be a lot of things. There's yeah. an episode where he wants to be an architect. Yeah. And there's an episode where he wants to be a marine biologist. Okay. And the episode basically concludes with Kramer hitting golf balls into the ocean. Yeah. Golf ball gets stuck in a whale's hole. <laughs> I think I remember this. There's a panic on the beach. Someone declares, is there a marine biologist on the beach? <laughs> the woman that George is with says, I know a marine biologist. Yeah, yeah, he He's right here and do. he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> so that is my knowledge of, that's, that's great. of what okay, it is we, to be a marine biologist. We've got biologist. a lot to work with here then. That's yes. good. All right. So what, so what, what am I? What does it mean? Yeah. What, what does it mean? Well, since I left you in high school, um, you know, you usually study regular biology. Like you have to go through all the boring classes like calc and all that stuff. And then you actually study cellular biology and then you branch off into types of biology that you like. There's human biology or evolutionary biology and you study like lineages and trees or you can be a marine biologist, right? And uh, marine biologist usually is um, interconnected or interexchanged with people who like tropical weather, <laughs> and want to go do marine science or ocean science in nice areas. Um, There are some brave marine biologists in Quebec that work in Tadoussac and all those northern areas and work with Arctic climates, but I was uh, 
passionate. I was a big swimmer growing up, so I was just super connected to water. Wanted to understand the whole world, which is like, what, 79% of our planet is ocean or water. So that was super intriguing and learned about how to become a scientist, do regular, like ask a question, answer it, do a scientific like protocol, prove it if it's right or wrong, anything. Could you, that's how the status quo is. And then that's it. And then you save the ocean. <laughs> you save the ocean. That seems yeah. like such a vague concept you're saving 79 percent of the world as you put it you're trying you're You're trying trying your best you go to university you write a thesis you try and prove if something's really important or a key species like you have you ever heard of you know like um great white sharks right or sharks in general they're top predators and they're also keystone species you remove them from the food chain the whole thing's offset so like you you study important things like that in the ocean understanding fisheries understanding coral reefs why are they dying why are they being bleached um that was my passion for a lot of times sharks corals and then um i fell in love with plastic (laughs) well not really you fell you fell in hate with plastic yeah exactly i felt i mean (laughs) it it was like became my species of choice plastic pollution (laughs) in the ocean so very abundant with with the start of things for you, yeah, like the the sharks, mm-hmm. is is Shark Week to you the equivalent of like the Stanley Cup playoffs to me? Are like you glued to your no, TV no, watching no. Shark Week? No, because I don't fall for all the like the myths that they put up on there, and they you know it's like okay, watching Anaconda. How much Anaconda. of how much of how much of it is bullshit? I mean, there's so much that they just they just show the fear mongering stuff, and then they don't show like the, like, the exciting stuff. Exactly, it's yeah. like watching if you watch CNN news, it's the same thing as if you think you. You know, if you're a shark lover, you don't watch <laughs> the Shark Week. Um, you actually go out and swim with sharks and understand them and then know how, like, overfished they are or how much illegal trade is going on with their fins. And, uh, I mean, I used to chase sharks in the Philippines. So, so it's easy to say you're not afraid of them. No. I, I have. There was one moment where I was afraid of one. It was a tiger shark. So there's four shark species that are actually maybe, like, lethally can, like, attack you and hurt you really bad. There's 56 species of sharks or something like that. And only four really are killers. So, um, well, we went in water with one and I was with some crazy um, British guys and we brought down a, a thermos of fresh pig's blood and we released it into a cloud. We were bored one day. We were doing lots of hours of research and we wanted to see if uh, that would call sharks. And my yeah, heart gonna, did thump. I'm going to assume it did. Didn't. It, it did nothing. No. Yeah. Oh. Myth busted again. Wow. Yeah. But you, you're in like a cage when you're doing that? No. This was in an area that we knew there weren't like that many dangerous sharks around but there was a tiger shark we had seen a spotted one like maybe a couple days before so my heart did thump when we were down there there was moments of like this is stupid but it was super fun and exciting and i did want to see if that was actually true because this was a shark have you ever watched that movie with the the car wash with shark cartoon i have i haven't no Uh, It's in some Disney movie, but they come to a station and they get clean. So they come to these seamounts, they're underwater islands, and they get cleaned by little uh, cleaner fish. So I was watching that all day on a video camera that we place at 30 meters deep. That was fun. But then, yeah, that day that we we thought we'd get like 12 sharks or 20 sharks just come out of nowhere, we got none. The blood didn't do anything. So I'm like, oh. That was kind of disappointing. <laughs> 50, uh, 56, you said? I think so, yeah. And, and four are dangerous. Yeah. Which are, like the, which are the dangerous ones? Um, well, hammerheads, tigers, great whites, and then there's another one. I Everyone think it's knows a seven the great gill, whites, yeah. Seven gill or a, a mako shark. I think those. there's another reg- roughish or aggressive-ish one. And which... Uh, uh, which bull, sorry, I didn't say bull. Bull shark? Okay. Yeah. Which, uh, which areas would be most... Yeah, um, um, dangerous to... Because to, like, everyone, uh, you know... Any, anybody who steps yeah, yeah. foot in the ocean... 
it's even terrible. even yeah. even I am like I don't know what's underneath me. Yeah, yeah. So which areas would be dangerous? Well, in there's that like been history of um, highest frequency or like of attacks, and that's just because of like a marina has like is set up and they go like hunt fishing and they drop bait and then it attracts the sharks and then that's why there's like more attacks in that area. Um, and then there's there's obviously migration zones. So there's the Recife north of Brazil. That's an apparently one of the number two areas. Um, so you don't you can't locals don't go swimming there. There's signs. Um, South Africa, there are some areas. Jeffreys Bay, there's some areas. They still have surf comps, but you don't go. And then there's some areas in Australia that are like, don't swim because there's too many sharks. Right. See, yeah. this I, I find this fascinating because I wasn't even planning to, to go in this. that direction. But that's what <laughs> I love okay. about doing the podcast. Like I, like when I'm on the radio, I have a time limit. Oh yeah. Here, here, it's like okay, oh, talk, nice. talk for as long as I want. Yeah. So cool. like, it's it's fun to to venture off in, into those those type of things, and that's kind of good how you story. Got yeah. Yeah. But everyone is fearful of sharks, but apparently no. you're not. So you're no. uh, you're an exception to the rule. It's fine. Yes. You're not afraid of sharks. No. When you know more about them than everyone who's afraid of them knows. Yeah. That's usually maybe an example to just remember in general. The more you, you don't know, the more you fear. Mm -hmm. So if you just open your mind and know and try stuff, then maybe, yeah, you won't be so afraid after all. At what point was it that you knew you had this interest? Because, you know, for radio... For yeah. me, it, it came a little bit later. Like I always had an interest in sports and I always had an interest in writing well mm -hmm. before uh, radio. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when when did you start to be like, okay, I'm fascinated by the water and everything that happens yeah. inside of it? I think uh, it was a March uh, spring break vacation. My family. Yeah, where were you? <laughs> Somewhere in Mexico. Okay. It was a dolphin like discovery center, which are like terrible for like in captivating I've species. Been, I've been to one and yeah. it was fun, but I felt bad. Right. But yeah. I was like maybe 12 or 13. I didn't even know if I should feel bad or not. Like mm -hmm. I just thought it was the coolest thing of my life. And that's what really like said, one day I want to come back. I even told the little, the dolphin trainer that I was going to come back and work with her one day. And I was ran away from my parents and I went to tell them that. And that's when I knew I had to like do that. But I didn't get the guts to like go outside of my, I guess, comfort zone of like being in Canada, thinking you need like a job, a serious job, like a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or something. And I kind of was like, no, I'm going to study, you know, health, ocean science or, oh, okay, what is that? Are you, a, are you a doctor? No, you're not a doctor. Is that worthy? Are you actually like a real researcher? Are you studying much like trees or, you know, but um, yeah, slowly just like got more and more brave and, and willing to go after this and make that a career. And I even tattooed my foot. So I would see a seashell on my foot <laughs> and make sure if I can't see my tattoo, on my foot that means i'm not going down the right career path i love that yeah that's awesome <laughs> i was forced made sure i would see it flip-flops yeah. all the time tell, tell me tell me a little bit yeah. about dolphins then uh well dolphins are, are they I legit mean, as smart as everyone thinks they are there is i did start reading some jack Cousteau book the whole book on chap i have it at my house i can give it to you if you're really curious it's like his written book from the 60s okay um they're geniuses yeah they are very very smart and there's some beautiful even in the newest Blue Planet 4, I think, or the newest Blue Planet, is it? I don't know if it's 4, but anyways, the 4K Blue Planet that just came out with David Attenborough that's on Netflix. Um, there's a, a dolphin and, like, whale slash attack, but then they, like, come to terms and they're like, oh, we know each other, and then they, like, bolt back off. They're like a pod of dolphins. It's incredible. There's a lot of things we don't know about them. I mean, it's, it's so hard to go underwater and study them, so it's like a, we're still learning, you know? I find what you're tackling, though, 
it, it's so massive mm-hmm. as as a concept because we just spoke about sharks mm-hmm. and we spoke about dolphins mm-hmm. and I figured there's people that should specialize in sharks and people that should specialize in dolphins mm-hmm. and then you you spoke about coral and then mm-hmm. there's you know all the different types of, like it fish yeah. it just seems like there's so much to explore like do you ever get overwhelmed by how yeah. much there is to know there is and it's also there's a feeling of environmental depression because all the things you love are you see a lot of scientists see like things going extinct or them the, the thing they love the most um being at risk of extinction or you know being contaminated now like by plastic or like whales washing up with trash and like that's imagine you were studying that your whole life and then all of a sudden like your animal or your thing that you want to preserve or protect is like now dying so it's tough it, there's some tough days for sure i would i would go crazy <laughs> like like seriously because you know i'm not as uh, emotionally invested mm-hmm. in it as you because yeah. i don't see it every day yeah. Uh, yeah but certainly like i feel sick to yeah. my stomach when you see the occasional like you'll be on facebook and you'll see like the person that puts like four photos with a little collage of all like yeah. the catastrophe in the world yeah. and then i'll feel bad for like Second. 30 seconds and then i move on with my day mm-hmm. but your day consists of just looking at that all the mm-hmm. time I mean, there, and then there's other professions, right? They're not just marine scientists that do that, like social work and like human rights issues. And like I can go on, you know, those mm-hmm. things that where you're emotionally connected. Yeah, they're really hard, but you have to focus. You have to have a good team around you and you have to focus on the positive solutions and what everyone is trying to do. But there's one thing that's positive. And uh, at least for now, in the next like lifetime of my career, I don't envision me going out of business because I think there's enough pollution to keep me going. <laughs> so that's one good thing. Like, you that, have to, that's like, an, spin that's it an interesting way of looking at it. I'm not yeah, I'm not like it's not like I'm studying the last four pandas. You know, there's actually pollution. There's enough pollution to go around the whole world and back and understand. There's seven times I think. Um, understand. There's so much to know still, and there's so much to be done to improve the waste that we are we're seeing going everywhere. What places are most messed up? Um, well, like it, in the world, like who who causes most of it? So I would say North America has yeah. is the largest consumer and producer of waste, um, and then there's of course other areas that are heavily consuming and producing. Who's disposing of it the most? I and mean, there's this large controversy. I love a lot of people have been talking about Southeast Asia and saying there was this research paper, which is right. I mean, there's the top ten rivers that pollute mostly into the oceans, right? And three of the top 10 rivers in the world are in China. Of course, they're going to be in China because there's a lot more people and they have no infrastructure to capture all that waste that's going out into the ocean. That doesn't mean that they're bigger polluters. You know what I mean? Well, they have been breaking a lot of laws. They have been breaking a lot of laws. But, I mean, Canada illegally ships our waste to Eastern Europe, uh, Southeast Asian countries, and and so does the United States. And then recently it was in the news. It just got returned. Uh, Malaysia said or Philippines said, like, no, we actually don't. You guys brought this here. We're returning it to your countries. Okay. So there's a lot of black market stuff going on with mismanaged waste. Is there a way to fix all this stuff, though? Or is, like, some of it Um, inevitable over, like, you know, I I, I love there's a a Joe Rogan uh, stand-up bit where mm-hmm. he just talks about the seeing the the counter of the population of the world and basically it just being like mm-hmm. like it's just like going up at an alarming rate yeah so with that like is it possible to actually correct yeah i think there is i think there's 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 a couple of things that are going on so of course populations cre- increasing right and you cannot feel one person can't say just because i have a car you can't have a car like there's no you know and if, if you have electricity in your country you can't say oh india you, you can't have electricity in all your country like they're allowed they're entitled that right however if we like individually 
under are aware and try and reduce our consumption rates. There's there's a like a willingness to want to do that as an individual. That I believe is you know there's a there's a chance for us. However, there needs to be like high level government and large corporations on board, and they are listening and they're in the back end redefining their supply chain and logistics to actually. Because otherwise, they're getting shamed. They're getting shamed right now in the media, left and right, and they have to do something about it. How do you uh, how do you feel about uh, Trudeau then? Because uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a soundbite that I had so much fun with on the radio <laughs> when he was talking, talking about, about the plastic water bottles. Yeah, and he said plastic like maybe seven times. Yeah, and it just it like uh, on some level, I realize that he's trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but on another you level, sure. I feel like he's a dope. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was very authentic. I, I feel like someone well, was that, telling that, him that, what to say. That's my constant beef mm-hmm. with him is that I yeah. feel like nothing he does is authentic. Yeah, and I, I actually saw that clip. Um, I have not been in Canada for 10 years almost. I just got back last year. So I've been a little bit out of like the politics and understanding. I did see like Trudeau win and I kind of was proud because I was in America with Trump. So right. it was like, oh, that's better. Um, so I haven't heard a lot about him. But I did see that and I was like, he stuttered and said bought plastic water and then he said boxed water which is like a te- i mean it's not in a better solution it has a plastic thin lining inside and I it didn't cannot even know, I didn't even know it was a thing it's a brand it's okay. a type of box and yeah. they do say it removes the packaging but there's a fine thin lining inside and it's not recyclable in many provinces because we don't we don't have infrastructure for it so it was a terrible answer and then you just then like you're in Canada, why don't you say I drink my country's clean drinking water? Because we have the biggest water source in the world, and it's super clean. He should have said something about t- like talking up Canada, but no, he didn't. Sometimes I worry about the people that are around him. Then, yeah, like if he's saying this thing that someone told him to say, and the mm-hmm. thing that he says is stupid, mm-hmm. then maybe it's not his fault, but it's the p- people that are around right, him. Right. Well, I I don't know enough about Trudeau to like judge too much. Honestly, neither click, do I. But yeah. But I think yeah, there's some room there. Canada, he is up for election. It is super trendy in the media. So is the right thing to say at the right time to politically position him? Yes. But um, are they going to actually take action on it? They might actually because I've, there's other people going ahead and doing it. And if Canada is going to lag behind, then it's going to be in the same boat as America and then get you know bashed on again. Right. I think there's some, some possibility there that we will ban single-use plastics by 2022. Do you think the younger generation is is much better mm-hmm. at this than us like they're yeah. more socially aware yes 100% um one of my good friends daughters she's and when i say us i, I don't necessarily mean us mm-hmm. because obviously like, you're not we're in our thir- well no we're in our 30s <laughs> that's that's so what we're like i meant a mixed yeah our demographic yeah. yeah there's some people that are unaware but then there's these rising kids i mean did you see that in october that climate um parade in montreal mm-hmm that was huge. There's like so many kids there. I mean, some people just want to skip school, I'm sure. But a lot of them are just it's become this like trend to care about the planet. And there's some there's even a really good teenage movie that's like came out that's kind of like a high school movie, like American Pie style. And they make a joke of like, what, you don't care about the environment? And like, I think they're really aware. And it's it starts from the age of like two to like five. People understand recycling. People understand. But why are they throwing... Why, why, why is it bad? Why are they making something that's bad for the planet and going inside a turtle's nose? You know, like they, they don't even comprehend the equations. Don't make, they don't make sense to them. 
Yeah, logic logically doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. And it's funny because there are so many things that I despise about the younger generation. Yeah, me too. And maybe it's just because I'm 30. And no, because you're worried gener- about it. Like if they're like going down a black hole, but... But that that is like one aspect that I'm like, okay, they they have this figured out maybe more than yeah. we did. Yeah, I think we're just clouded by our comforts and our like tr- our belief system and our, like how we were raised and we were very comfortable and that's what we had. You know, even we had water bottles in our ba- in our house. Like we had tons of stuff. We had those bags of milk. You know, like the plastic bags of mm-hmm. milk. Like to think about that now, like it's kind of like smoking. You just didn't know how bad it was for you and you didn't know how bad of an impact it could cause the rest of the world so you did it it's just like an ignorance thing and i only really woke up to plastic pollution like four years ago i literally doing this whole thing about ocean protection environment not that i was throwing things in the garden in the ocean like as i wasn't a litterer or something but i thought like i didn't know how screwed up recycling was and then i had no idea uh, like how bad it was I guess I was blind to it and I was just because I was focusing on like sharks or whatever like really tunnel vision so I don't when I meet somebody that has no idea what I'm talking about I don't get angry and think like oh you're so dumb like it's it's a question of just being awoken to it and just learning about it and then you make your decision see that's why I like doing this podcast because I, I always hope that like you know even if it's one person that ends yeah. up changing the way they look at it that yeah. it can make that one person do things differently yeah what do you think sure. of um i saw like right now when we're recording this it's mm-hmm. just for laughs mm-hmm. and i saw a comic who was just ripping into uh paper straws oh he is making yeah. fun of them yeah he was making fun <laughs> of them basically he's like i don't want to drink my mojito through a newspaper yeah like i think that was something to the effect with it yeah. was his punchline it was very funny yeah but how come we don't have a better solution to plastic straws I think like plastic straws are awesome well to no, drink out of they're, they they are sometimes but like if you look back even in like Mad Men series of Netflix like was that 70s yeah men did not yeah. use straws only that's women a, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> because a, it was that's lipstick a, that's a good point and now it's like straw you know you go to those like fast food restaurants in the US and you don't you sit down in 10 seconds you don't even have time to take off your jacket and there's a, a, a cup of water with a straw in it yeah and it's like a giant cup that you're not even going to drink it looks like the convenience just like overwhelmed everyone and straws are everywhere and sometimes they're absolutely useless are they needed for like ice cream and floats kind of and then I agree like you can have a paper straw and it it, mel- it foams right away or just like folds and you can't suck anything up it so there's better alternatives but they are still expensive because the market is just not grown enough. But they're um, really cool. They're called, um, oh, my God, Final Straw. I just remember she's a startup in Santa California. Really cool collapsible straws. You can attach your keychain. You, like, whip it out. And they're like, I got a straw. So <laughs> there's cool alternatives. And there's um, edible straws. So there's a company called Lollyware. And they're algae-like based that you can eat them after. Algae-based? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they're clear, and they look like kind of like green, like spirulina, like what you put on your shake. You can make them different colors, but Marriott Hotels in, I think, somewhere in New York or a couple chains in the U.S., they have partnered with Lollyware, and now in all their hotels, they're going to have these cool edible straws. So there is better than paper, so tell that comedian that. (laughs) That's such a great idea. I know. There are ideas. It's just they're not, like, scalable yet because... The market is still, you know, battling this. And then there is the, the paper straw, I guess, is the next alternative that's got had enough money to, to go wide and get everywhere. But some, come on, like straws are really useless sometimes. 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes for sure. You can drink with a cup. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no question. A lot yeah. of places have mm-hmm. banned them. And, yes. And like I've done some traveling. Like there's a lot of countries that don't have yeah. straws anymore yeah. at all. Yeah, and it's making a difference. Like if you go, if you're a scientist and you're sampling beaches and you see, you can compare what happened but like pre-plastic um, bag bans because that happened, that you could, there's a really big difference in, in the amount of savings of appearance of plastic bags. And then post plastic bag ban, you really find a lot less plastic bags. Like bans actually work. No kidding. If I was in charge of a country that relied heavily on tourism on my beaches, I know I'd want to get yeah the heck rid of plastic. I know. And I mean, I was in Bali last year. Um, I had been there a couple times that I was there for my paying job, which is a plastic pollution NGO in in Los Angeles. And we were getting ready for expedition. I was on some fancy hotel, and um, they literally just like. They clean the beaches every morning so tourists don't see, but it keeps coming. It keeps flowing in. And um, they, like, rake it. And then you see, like, on an off corner, just them digging a hole in the sand and built, burying it in the beach. So, of course, with erosion and time, it's going to wash up again. Mm-hmm. Then they Or they incinerate it. and But then that pollutes, like, terrible things in the atmosphere. And um, there's a really cool island that's, like, Gili Tuan or Gili Tron. You might have heard of it. People go on there for, like, destination weddings and stuff in um, between near Bali Island. And... Uh, like a block the front block along the beach is beautiful right like nice hotels bars everyone partying sunsets like sun little chairs to swim in the water and then a block behind it there's open site landfills with like cows walking on it and like like chemicals like you can see the smog around it and it's open face landfill it's like this like the island effect happens because tourists come in they bring they consume things they make money they give the island money but the island has no waste disposal system and no one's picking it up. There's not like large container ship taking it somewhere. So they're stuck with it. So they burn it or they have to literally let it seep into the water. So it's complicated. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Um, you you said you haven't been in Canada for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So where have you been? Um, I went to do my master's um, in Brazil. So that's where I was still working with sharks and actually sea urchins at that time. Um, really down the like going down the research academic line so i was in south brazil for about four years and uh that was really fun it was really amazing brazil is a wonderful country there's a lot of problems there too and a lot of waste um but then uh i guess you ever scared in in, in brazil never scared uh you know you just hear so many things about uh, you it being dangerous yeah i mean no i kind of learned like with the locals about like what to be afraid of you know like i learned you can't leave your backpack like in your car like you have to put it in the trunk and and learn you know what times and areas you shouldn't go on the bus and when not to go on a hike because you could get mugged but like very very safe areas and i was there when the country was in high like growth okay. phase so it was fun and then there was a kind of a crash in a government thing but it's like you can i felt more scared in miami than i did in brazil you know miami florida <laughs> brazil yeah uh you and then said after you that. said bali oh bali was just a trip i know but, but yeah like, i don't know because yeah there's with a what lot you of do, traveling <laughs> there's a lot of traveling so <laughs> i'm just is. curious about all the places you've been yeah to. well that's the thing you don't make a lot of money as a marine biologist at all but you have a really great environment you know you do field work in destinations of course if you're studying tropical science and it's even more fun um, I went to Panama. McGill University has an amazing um, semester abroad in Panama. And that's when I really loved, like, realized I wanted to be in like Central Latin America. Um, so then I went to Brazil, been to Bali, been to the Philippines with sharks. Uh, Australia is a little too expensive for me because, you know, you're a broke marine biologist. And then I did go to California after Brazil. And the, 
I found a job, so I stayed because I got a visa and I could was working at a university there. And then I found a really good nonprofits to work for, and I started um, becoming a fundraiser and uh, getting a little bit more established in career, like you know, collecting skills. Sure. Yeah. The best spot. Oh man. Like well, nicest beach. Uh, nicest beach. You know, I, yeah. I, I need to plan a vacation. Oh, okay, nicest so. beach. I was. I honestly would say because I really like, like mountains and beach. Like I don't like flat beach like Cuba where there's no mountain and lush forest behind you. Um, I have to say, like California has some really nice beaches, and Southern California is, can be nice, but it's a little dry and kind of looks a little bit desert like. Um, South Brazil, where I lived, it's called Mole Beach, M O L E, like a mole. And they have just like a cool vibe, like sometimes like bohemian style, like hippie bars, but then also like a place with like lounge music. And uh, it's just such a beautiful beach. And it actually South Brazil is one of the, the cleanest beaches. And the people there come from all over the country. And they're they're so mixed in South Brazil. There's Germans, there's uh, Lebanese, there's Japanese, there's uh, men, there's Dutch, Polish. There's wow. a huge mix. I, I, I never think... Yeah. Of it like that there. Well, it's very um, European down south, like the mixing, what happened. Um, in the north, it's a little bit less. Um, it's kind of like what happened to Canada, you know, like uh, natives all got massacred and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a little bit different. And then there's like a couple areas of like where there was slavery, those areas where there wasn't. Great place. You have to go. Sounds amazing. Yeah. And, it's really good. And again, it's funny because I never put that on my list of vacations mm. until having spoken to you. Yeah. Because I've just heard so many negative nah. things I mean, a about lot of, Brazil. A lot of my friends from Montreal came to visit. And one time, one girl got like pickpocketed. Like her necklace, a little kid took her off her necklace when she was standing at a bus stop. That's like it. Yeah. You know, like it's like petty crime. It's not dangerous. You know, you're not going to be uh, an idiot walk around with like your fancy iPhone and, and places where you look where people have no money and are looking at those things and want to steal your shoes and stuff. So, But Brazilians don't do that either. So... You just have common sense and you're fine. That's it. Why'd you come back? Um, so, um, well, why did I come back? Well, I was living in America and I was in California year... sounds awesome. It is If amazing. I moved to California, I think I'd be there for life. I mean, I thought so too. And I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm not saying no to ever going back. I'm definitely going back. But um, um, one of my, my bosses, he's, he's from like Washington or Wisconsin or something, but he said, you Canadians, you're all the same. He's like, you're one, you arrive here and you're like uh, drooling. Like I'm never leaving. Like I, my office was in, like literally on the ocean. Like I had a surfboard in the hallway with a wet, like a wetsuit. That That's was amazing. My, yeah. It was too good to be, it was too, it seemed too good to be true. And I was like, you're two, you're like, oh man, it's kind of expensive. You know, like I can't really travel anywhere else because like my rent and all my utilities is like 80% of what I make. So you have like 20% left over mm -hmm. to, to like travel or do whatever you, you can. And then year three, you're like, hmm, the institutions of America are kind of screwed up. The healthcare system is screwed up. Education system is twisted. And you're like, well, Canada doesn't seem so bad. And then he's like, and then year four, you leave. And I was like, wow, you read me like a book. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. You do yeah. seem uh, like a West Coast type of person, though. Yeah. yeah. There's It's super chill. Like yeah. it's... Um, they know how to enjoy life. So I definitely have that personality trait to do that. Um, and money is uh, money. It's definitely good to go there. If you have money, you could pay private health care for your whole family. I mean, just for me, I was like paying 400 bucks a month and I didn't have any problems. And if you have asthma, you pay like 800 a month. And it's just silly. It's just things that are just silly. And you're like, well, I live, I'm from a wonderful country. 
yes, we have winter, but if we can get out in the winter, I could just come visit California. It's <laughs> a good point. And I guess, you know, it's, uh, I, I say I'd move and never look back. Yeah. But I guess you're talking about a lot of the things we just take for granted. Yeah. Like you don't when, realize it until you're gone. When your insurance card comes back in the mail and you're like, it's free. And I got my Régie d'assurance maladie and I was like cheering. I like took photos and sent it to my friends in the U.S. Like, it was so <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm sure they were thrilled with that. <laughs> They're like, screw you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's silly. It's silly. But that's what traveling does. It opens your eyes to see what you should be appreciative and, and grateful for, for sure. What's, uh, what's the green spot? Stop. It's okay. Everybody says it wrong. I corrected you right Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. What is it? Well, um, the green well, stop. What, how is it said? Stop. Green stop. Green stop. The green stop. What did I say? You said spot. Did I say spot? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, no, it's totally fine. And, the, and in Montreal, there's a green spot and a green stop. It's fine because I, I have small notes in front of me and, and I and you I wrote, wrote spot. You wrote spot. Yeah. But so many people have. Okay. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, and if you don't write the green stop, you might go to a marijuana dispensary in Halifax. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe that's com. what maybe that's what I had on my mind. <laughs> maybe that's what you had. So what's the green stop? Stop. The green stop technically is your one-stop shop, outdoor refill station. Okay, so we're starting to be a water refill station. That's like the basic need in outdoor environments. You can tell there's missing, lacking water fountains. You go to a music festival, you're waiting an hour in line, or you wait for a food truck, and then you have to pay five dollars a bottle. So um, and and given all the environmental reputation that water bottle pollution has had. We thought, let's create actually new infrastructure. Let's build hardware and give people cool-looking water fountains. And let's offset those costs by branding them with, like, event sponsors. Events has tons of sponsors, and they just want to be in cool, visible spaces, right? So that was kind of, like, how we thought we would sell it to the event. So we're essentially a water refill station, but we hope to be a station for other types of refills. And we're targeting massive outdoor areas, like large outdoor frequent traffic zones for people that are enjoying their, the space. So you keep saying we. Like, what's your oh. involvement with the Green Stop? The Green Stop. Sorry, I say we because I guess I'm starting to create a movement on a mini team. Like, is um, this you? This is your yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I ventured into the, took a risk and took signed up for a business class. Um, it's called uh, Founder Institute. It's like a Silicon Valley like cohort around the world. And Montreal had a winter class. So I did that from January to May. And it like kicks your butt, like literally kicks your butt left and right. You have to interview 30 people in one week. Oh. You have to do market research. You got to understand revenue models. You got to pitch, 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 pitch. Um, so I really refined my, my idea. Like I had an idea. In my, it's been going on in my head for two years. Even in California, I was doing imagining this refill station but like on a beach and then it would be like more for surfers or it had sunscreen in it it had like bottles for sale in it reusable ones so but I couldn't really like execute so I moved I came here in Montreal by myself incorporated in March pitched then I started like getting a little bit more traction and interest and then I asked I literally picked up a friend an engineer that I met at a a gala night I contracted him because he's an engineer he has to do hard work and then there's uh, I have a mentor that's like volunteered to help me. He lives in PEI. Um, it's just I feel like it's become we now. I have a friend in Brazil who does my social media. I have a guy in Toronto who works in sales and he's in clean tech, like green energy. So starting to create a team. You do kind of have a team, yeah. Yeah, small. I mean, right now I can't pay anyone. I'm not paying myself. <laughs> so baby steps. Uh, pay the contractor to actually build and buy the materials, and the rest is uh, we'll see. Yeah, I yeah. was um, I was out. The Warp Tour in Atlantic City oh. about three weeks ago, oh, cool. and they actually had um, water. They, they had they had water stations. Cool. That was what the first what time. did they look like? Um, man, I was a little bit drunk. 
<laughs> and I wasn't like taking notes yeah, on what they looked like. Yeah, you're not like, like. a geek about them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a geek about them. Like I had uh, my rubber with glass container that okay. I that I drink water oh, out of. Oh, that's nice. And I was there with it and I just filled, filled Sweet. up. Sweet. I don't know more about it than that, but I just, yeah. I took no, you I'm like, it. I was, you used it. Used it. Perfect. I mean, at some point, you got I had it. to get some water in with all the beer I was drinking. It's a basic need. Yeah. And it's literally a, it's a, it's a safety concern issue as well. When you're going to giant festivals like that, like people are, I know they could be on drugs, they're going to be drinking, but dehydration is like actually serious and you don't want people passing out at your festival and It was so hot injury. too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, uh, you're working with Oceaga. Yeah. Yeah. So during the whole business class and marketing research analysis, I interviewed people that I thought was my market, right? I need to validate if that's even my market, if there's a need for this type of product or idea in my, that market. And then um, great Oceaga um, guy that's been working with Oceaga for 10 years, worked at the Jazz Fest, um, just gave me so much feedback, so much advice, what they're looking for, what they need. And is like, I'm giving you a shot, you know, like, you're building this prototype now. What better time? We can like consult you and tell you like what we think is the best way to build it. Um, and we delivered. So we're, we're launching and testing it in uh, at Oceaga, which is next starts next Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's uh, that's a pretty big step. It is. It's very exciting. There's still some things I'm terrified about, like insurance quote, legal contracts, <laughs> um, branding, the sponsorship people are sometimes can be not so on time. Uh, what else? Um, I mean, no, it's great. Everything's yeah. working out. And then I'm going to test and like using, I'm connecting to the city water. So you got to make sure the hose is right. You got to make sure like the water's running good. Um, it's constant flow. Like it's, there's, there's six taps and they fill up at five seconds per bottle. So it's like really fast water. And there's lineups, like there's 45,000 people a day at Oshiaga. So it's a lot of people. It's not going to be like sitting water and warming up. It's going to be constantly being used. So the one thought that crossed my mind when yeah. I was at Warp Tour yeah. and they had these water stations because I, I had never seen them at a music festival okay. before and they're going to be at Oceaga. The one thing, and I know it's kind of a, a twisted way of looking at it, no, go ahead. Uh, but I, I was wondering what happens to all the money that people make by selling water at these festivals. Like if I go to a hockey mm -hmm. game at the Bell Center and mm -hmm. I buy a bottle of water, it's going to be what, five bucks, six mm -hmm. bucks? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like what happens? Like isn't yeah, Oceaga isn't Oceaga concerned? Yeah, with so making less money. Um, yes and no. So that would have been the official fear factor and argument at the beginning. But um, what we're proposing is we're offsetting costs um, that you instead you would pay to rent these stations by selling the sponsorship to companies who want to look green and support environmental efforts. Um, so National Bank is our sponsor at Oceaga. Um, they have a whole water theme. They're trying to do water conservation, water protection. They want to show that they believe in like a greener, cleaner planet. So they are offsetting those costs. They're selling the ad space on our stations and slowly going to transition um, off plastic water bottles. Okay, that's a really good idea. It's mm -hmm. a good way of trying yeah, to offset trying. the costs. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, right now, there's still water bottles being sold at Oceaga. And um, the fact that if they just people and see that there's a refill station, maybe you'll just buy one and then you'll go and refill. At least you only bought one versus seven when you're there all day. Like, right? are you are you kidding me? If I was like, uh, I'm going to make sure I talk about this on the mm -hmm. radio as well, because if yeah. I'm going to a, a music festival yeah. and I know there's something for free. Yeah. 
I'm going to take advantage of the thing that's free other rather than paying for whatever, seven times five yeah. or whatever, yeah, no, 50 for bucks sure. that it's going to cost me in but water. But what has happened before is people did, there still are, there are water stations. However, they're not, um, the way they're designed, they're still really long and take forever to refill. And people, the lineups were too long. People would just give up. They'd be like, I'm not, there's a free water fountain, but it's an hour lineup. And like you're standing there in the hot sun and you're just like, well, I'll go to the hamburger truck and buy a $5 bottle. And then there's still also the people who just say, well, I just don't trust tap water. Right. I'm just going to keep drinking bottled water. And that's something I can't change overnight. But I believe that slowly as we educate, we're going to have a little bit of like plastic bottle art and environmental messaging as well in the unit. And we're going to slowly show the, the value that, you know, how regulated tap water is. I mean, we're doing these water stations in places where drinking water is safe to drink. You know, we're trying to bring people back to the tap too. Like, there's there's you're a not, movement. You're there. not doing this in in a third world country. No, no. Then you of know. course I put a filter. You know, that's not the point. The point is in areas where you can drink safe tap water, refill your bottle. And so if you, you can't, you said five seconds. Yeah, pressure strong. For how much? Uh, for what the for a bottle like an average water bottle is like thirty bottle. twenty ounces or something. Yeah, yeah, it's fast. No kidding. So you want to you want to get people water, and you want to get it fast, and you want access. So that's what we're solving right now. So when I avoid, and I, I don't avoid it completely, the plastic water bottles, but when I do, and I have the, the glass container that mm -hmm. I was telling you yep. about, I do it not because of the environment. I do it because I'm afraid of drinking out of plastic, like for mm -hmm. my own health. That's great. I'm happy that you're also worried about that because that's something that hasn't been talked about enough. And the effects of um, plastic on our health is is uh, is kind of been like subtle. And I think that, you know, you could be a nature lover like me and really environmentally. You could have that, in, you know, instinct to care for the environment. Some people just don't. Some people just don't even like going outside. They're just they're, they're more techie, the more computers. Like, that's cool. Great. Mm -hmm. But I think people will start to care once it affects their health. And just like kind of anything, it only you only really start to care when it's in your backyard, right? So if you know that, man, it reduces like reproduction rates and like fertility and all these things. And like there's this uh, there's this science article about like boys boys penis sizes are smaller because of our in interactions with plastic products. Um, that's 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 concerning. See, well now you you know you bring up fertility and penis size, and I'm like, okay, I really am not touching plastic ever again. Well, I mean, we were raised on that, it, right? That, we that's, have no that's, idea. Like, if you want to appeal to my demographic, that yeah. should be your that, that should what, that's what you should build your campaign around. Yeah, we should. Plastic is going to make your penis smaller. <laughs> plastic, don't drink. Penis size will shrink. <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, w I mean, there's more and more more N NGOs too are messaging about that because like you can show pictures of like a whale and all that thing, but once it affects the human body, like we're innately, like we're I'll say it myself, like we're selfish species, you know, like we care about ourselves more than the ants down the floor, and we really will take action when it starts to affect us and like our generations. Hmm. Uh, you know family. what? Are you are you a fan of Game of Thrones? Uh, no? Yeah. Yeah. I only, I'm to season five and then I moved. So I missed season six and seven. Okay, perfect. Because I haven't seen season six or seven oh, either. Oh, okay. But I was actually, I'm, I'm trying to get caught up because it was the final season <laughs> and like a few months ago and I felt left out because everyone was watching yeah, it. And I, I watched the first three seasons and I fell behind and I'm like, <laughs> ah, screw it. I'm, I'm behind. Yeah. And then everyone's talking about it. I'm like, okay, maybe I could catch up before the finale hits. Anyways, long What'd story short, uh, there was an episode in, it's season four or five, so you would have seen it. And... um. What's Dinklage's character's name? I don't even remember. The short guy? Yeah. Uh, the imp. Uh, what's his name? 
Anyways, he's in prison. Bar- yeah. Uh, something, Baron, Lannis- Bar- something Lannister. Lannister. Yeah, something he's a Lannister kid. He's a Lannister yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyways, he's in prison. Yeah. For uh, for he's being accused of murdering the king. Yes, yes. You know the time frame I'm talking yes. about of the show. Yeah. And he's in prison. He's, he's talking from the room. Yeah, and he's he's, he's talking to his brother, and he's talking about the hottie. This guy, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's talking about who, by the way, in the show has sex with his sister. I remember that too. Okay. This is right when I ended the yes. season. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he's talking to his brother while he's in prison, and he's telling this story okay. about watching this man every day at lunchtime crush beetles okay and he doesn't understand why this man is crushing beetles he's just crushing them all day okay and the brother asks him he's like why do you care so much about an insect and he gives this whole profound answer that i think you should take a look at watch again because it just kind of reminded me of you talking about the ants wow yeah, it's just that that's just how like my brain works. Just like how it's worked. connected to yeah. us and cool. Yeah. I'll definitely go back to that part. And he goes into this whole profound <laughs> speech about how the world is connected uh-huh. and it really does matter in a roundabout way and yeah. the only reason we don't care is because we're so invested in ourselves mm-hmm. and he's like I'm in prison but Mm-hmm. The only reason I really care is because I'm so invested in myself. In the grand scheme, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it's wow. This whole, like, Sounds like the Dalai Lama. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's a great character. He is a good character. I, he was my favorite. Okay, yeah. thanks. I'll watch that again. Yeah. Just yeah. just something like that occurred yeah, to me. Yeah, thank you. Um, back to the plastic. Yeah. The Before you said you didn't really care oh. about plastic until oh, about right. four years ago. Right. Not about caring, but just being like really you weren't aware. action-oriented. Yeah, yeah. but... So, like, I always figured if I recycle, uh-huh. then I'm doing my part. So if I yeah. buy water bottles, whatever, mm-hmm. I said I have a different reason for not buying them. If I put it in the recycling bin, then it's taken care of and mm-hmm. everything's good. Mm-hmm. But you said our recycling system is not sufficient to handle mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so why 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 are we all bubble. misinformed about well, this? Well, I think it was a nice intention, but you remember in elementary school, there's three R's, right? You know what they are? Uh, return, recycle, um, let me see if I can figure out the last one. Well, return, is return one of them? No, it just goes to prove how one of them got so much attention and the other two were forgotten. Reuse. Yeah, that was the second one. Recycle. Nah, I'm not going to come up with it. Well, but this is a great example. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce. Yeah. Yeah, reduce should have been obvious. Yeah, but we totally skipped it. So, I mean, intentionally, um recycling what's been around for almost 20 years right and it, it works better in some countries um where their sorting facilities match and they properly like they'll find you know residents if they're not doing it right and like really much more a little bit fiscalized um however the green bin recycling's our savior i can, can keep consuming and feel not guilty I, f- I was down the same train i thought if it would be recycled we we're saving a lot of the planet um however recycling infrastructures can't keep up to speed with the new products and types of materials of plastics and then there's a lot of question of like contamination i feel like you don't rinse properly and it recycles it's all spoiled so actually if you put the whole world on a map and average out was the success success rate of recycling is nine percent effective maybe even less now maybe four so is that four percent of our what we actually think we're recycling is recycled Okay, so uh, excuse me if I'm naive. No, it's okay. But is is that just with plastic, or are you talking about everything um, recycled? Like, is it the same with paper and glass? And... Um, I think actually, I have to double check that. That was a, that's a good question. Okay. I think it's um all things recycled or been recycled. I don't think it's plastic. Um, well, now I think nine percent was plastic. Oh, I have to go back to this stat, but I yeah. can send it to you. It's um the 
one of the recent studies that came out about global the actual rates of recycling. Um, but I mean, that's just regardless, not four or five, it's low, right? It's really low. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea that you, we have a bin and we think it it really is a nice idea, but you can't guarantee it's recovered. You can't, especially if you think you're sending your Coca-Cola bottle to like 150 countries around the world have different recycling infrastructures, people with different types of waste bins. It's like just, it's already shit show. It's already complicated. And then you in your own city in a nice wealthy country or a nice city like Montreal, you look on your bottle and it's hard to see. And then your bin is like super vague. And you think you throw it in and then you do. And you're like, I don't know if that works, but I'll just put it in anyways. And it's better just than putting so in the garbage. Better than putting in the garbage. But then how much money is wasted and of sorting? And then um, there's so much technology that's lacking. Like, did you know that like Quebec didn't recycle glass? which is like an inert material for about a couple of years just because they didn't have the money to recycle um, glass that has color. So like clear glass could work, but wine bottles didn't work. So like you think that's a 100% recyclable product and it wasn't even be able to recycle. Right. It's complicated. So um, it's the third R. So let's like shift our, like we haven't gotten very far. Like we're at what, under which 20%. Which, which is the three was the? Th- reduce and reuse. Reuse was the third? The second. It's second. reduce, reuse, recycle. Oh, recycle's the third, it's okay. The third, recycle's the third R, and it's gotten a lot of talk and a lot of smack. And I mean, it's it's just another feedback mechanism for companies to keep making you more and then making you feel good that you can recycle it. So we know now that myth is busted, and now let's think about reduction stream ideas, how to reduce packaging. You can still buy something, but what if it doesn't need to be packaged like crazy like sometimes you go to costco and you buy the batteries and it's like nine times wrapped you're like you're not you're not going like to a mountain like you're going home to open them up and you have to like yeah it's super annoying super annoying so things are over packaged and then of course there's like uh reduce and reusing like learning to reuse things um just like your water bottle like you you walk around you reuse that bottle you don't just have a single use disposable lifestyle and and this is like what this but 20 20 ish years but this whole like why plastic seems it, it is an incredible material. It saves our lives. It's uh, created met, you know wonderful discoveries for science, for research, for cars, for all these things. Like for us to be more advanced as human beings and in, in tech. But like single use plastics, absolutely useless. Useless, you know, like for for some like dire needs. But the way we use single use plastics is like ridiculous. It's just over the top silly and. If you want to look when you're bored, 1950s Time magazine, the cover page is a family, black and white still, and they're cheering in the middle and they're surrounded by a giant cloud of single-use plastics and it's called throwaway living. And it says, now household chores no more. So the wife can leave the house, right? She doesn't have to, you don't have to have home-cooked meals anymore. You can eat on the go. And it like created this convenience thing and it was an amazing thing for them. It was a freedom thing, right? But I think we've pushed that bar, and I think we've gone too far. Sometimes we're like, yeah, what? I just had a coffee today. I Did I really need to have one other coffee and with a straw? And then I just put in the garbage. Or, the, oh, I put in the garbage. There's no recycling nearby. I'm going to have to carry this home. Well, I'll just throw it in the garbage. It was like, this is too much. There's too much around us. So, of course, we're using it. You ever, uh, you ever get, like, OCD with it? Mm-hmm. Because just when you're saying, okay, I had a coffee... Because mm-hmm. I always think, okay, you're like, okay, I had to have a coffee. Mm-hmm. Do I need the second coffee? Do I need the straw? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I went do. to I went to McDonald's uh, last week. Yeah. On Friday, not to eat McDonald's, but I wanted a nice coffee. Yeah. And they gave me the iced coffee, 
in, in a plastic yeah clear plastic thingy whatever yeah. it is yeah uh like would that drive you nuts i mean I like would, can can you can, can you go, go to no okay you couldn't okay <laughs> i wouldn't go if i sometimes though i know already i've tried so like i think i've been to a and w and they refill it so i'll go to, like a and w and ask them to refill like my root beer and use my mug so i start to find like buyers or vendors that actually do that and i'll go seek those out like there's times like i had i, I remember how not buying blueberries for the longest time because they came in the stupid plastic things like every season I love blueberries and sometimes I make like the sacrifice and I go okay well like I'm not buying this those tiny little blueberry trays even though they are recyclable it's just like to me it just bothers me so I'll buy the large big frozen blueberry bag at Costco or something and that at least is less packaging for more blueberries so yeah I get a little OCD <laughs> yeah because that that's if I, if I was doing what you do that's how I would become think about it yeah. you're just they're thinking about it all the time yeah it's yeah. like I've tried different diets and, mm -hmm. and you, you get obsessed with it mm -hmm. like I was on a keto diet for a while oh wow and then you're doing that's everything a, to avoid carbs so you're going yeah. to like let's say you you're go searching. to AM yeah. what's that you're searching yeah you you're go aware. well you go to A&W and you're like can you make me the burger without the buns yeah They'll look at you like backwards, like, no. It's like, okay, fine, I'll just take it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you do it, but you try. And, like, there's nothing, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Like, that's why I tell everybody, like, oh, I'm so shy, just don't, just ask. Like, you're the client, you're paying. If you can say this, then they'll maybe do that. And, like, there's a trend and it's happening, and California Senate passed a, is passing or approving a motion that in outdoor festivals and in restaurants, the ability to use your own container will now be allowed to reuse and ask show up to a food truck with your own container because a lot the, the past couple of years there's been a pushback because of the hygiene rules and saying oh no it's not, not healthy we can't bring like outside containers in the back and like you'd ask mcdonald's to refill your cup and then they'd be like take their cup pour it into your cup and throw out the cup that you're trying to save and you're like no that, that's, that's not the point so like <laughs> there's this been hygiene thing or like you know pushing us but i think they've really figured that out and i think california leads the way in terms of like kind of forward thinking in terms in at least in north america like there's all this uh there's all this stuff uh, trickle into other parts of your life like are, are mm -hmm. like i mentioned the keto diet like are you vegan um so <laughs> that's a really good question i'm very vegetarian and aware of like seafood i love seafood by really limit because i know the issues of se sustainable seafood and like chemicals as well in like, fish like mercury more more than that just more like anti like so much things that accumulates and like farm um aquaculture fish and how amount of antibiotics and like grain and like corn that they're fed and so like yeah it trickles into my life because you when you know you you become more of like an i don't know annoying person so it's it's not but but, I, I, I but based on what battles. you're saying it's not um not a moral issue it's more a health issue it's more a health issue it's yeah. more a health issue. Like, I mean, I, I, I understand the impacts of like, yeah, eating meat every day and I could become a vegetarian. I do, I don't buy meat ever at home, but there are times when I want to eat meat and I ask like if the, if I know the cow or whatever, the, the steak, the restaurant has like sustainable sourced meat. I, I do still ask. Sometimes I just, it's been a while and I really have like a craving for red meat and I'll eat it, you know? And yeah. Won't feel too good after, but I still really liked it at the time. So I'm just trying to I'm I'm trying to be aware. Like I, I'm I'm not a perfect human being. No, I don't think anyone should be. I just think you should try your best. Where's uh, where, where's the best seafood I can get from all the places you've been to? Uh, like countries. Yeah. Oh man. Especially considering all the background you just gave me on, all the chemicals and the way. Yeah, you know. I mean, well, there's just like. 
I think you don't it's not necessarily world it's because there's a black market everywhere like everything lines up like where you fish in, on, in Boston goes to Tokyo and then comes back to Montreal it's like the supply chain is just like that there's an app it's called uh, marine seafood watch and it's a California app it's like when the Google family Wendy Schmidt funded it and uh, it's at this giant aquarium in California but it's really cool and you, when you're shopping you can use the app and you can say where you're in you're in Montreal and it shows you red yellow or green and it tells you what fish you should avoid and why. And there's a list of why they should avoid. Is it because it has more chemicals or is it because, like, they have, like, a really illegal fishery? You know, and you can pick. Your, you just at least you know when you make your decision. <laughs> yeah, like going back to the uh, the plastic water bottle. For me, yeah. it would always be about health because, yeah. like, all this stuff kind of freaks me out. Like, yeah, I know. What we put into our bodies and, yeah, and well, does, what, what we don't even know. Yeah. It does hit home a lot farther for sure. It is funny yeah. to hear a marine biologist say that they really enjoy seafood. Oh, because I mean, I've seen, I've been on like, yeah, places where you you catch your own barracuda and it's just so delicious and it's oh, that grilled. Amazing. Yeah, and it's amazing. And then like, you know, you can. I could have probably opened up the stomach right there and been like, oh fuck, there's plastic in here. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh my god, it's it's like seeped into this animal's tissues, and now it's probably bad for me to eat. And then you think, should I eat it? And it's already caught. It's already dead. Have I eaten it before? Probably. So I was like, I guess it's not that bad. So then you like reason with yourself and yeah, you just feel bad. <laughs> you just feel trapped. You feel like you can't eat anything anymore. Okay. So you're, uh, you're making me a bit paranoid. I'm sorry. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's shift gears. I know. Uh, I want to lastly know about uh, the, um, the GoFundMe uh, oh, campaign yeah. that you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Now this is a recorded podcast, so it's going to, uh, it's going to stay yeah. on the internet. So the, okay. the GoFundMe page might be gone by yeah, the time people... Be. But uh, that's listen. okay. You could follow me on Instagram, and I'm sure there'll be more GoFundMe-style campaigns. So what's this about? <laughs> so, well, exactly. Making hardware is, like, really, really expensive. Most people today make apps when they start companies. They just build an app, and that's it. So um, launching hardware is ex- really tough. Um, not many people want to help you or lend you money. And for a social cause like this and, you know, helping people get clean drinking water, human rights-style thing, thought let's launch a crowdfunding campaign. So we're on, it's not called, it's, GoFundMe is just a brand, right? It's a type of campaign, a company, but we're on this Quebec-based um, platform. So it's called La Ruche, L-A-R-U-C-H-E. And you could find it when you go on my Instagram at thegreenstop.co. My link is directly in the bio. And then I have eight days left and I set a goal of 25K. I'm literally like, I've got like 2% to go. That's so pretty cool. So anyone that gives me $10. How long be, was it up there? Um, since, uh, June 1st, I think. So a bit over a month, 62, 68 about, days About a month something. and two weeks. Yeah, yeah. It was like a month and a half. No, no, it's going cause it goes till July 29th. So almost like almost two months. But right now less than two months and you're almost at 25 K. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I know. I'm right there. And I also got a loan as well, which helps like low interest loans from the um, futurepreneur and the airport of Montreal has this, uh, small interest loan for startup companies. So that that's really um, the exciting part, and I mean, we're build. We use this money to build the first three prototypes, um, and obviously execute and pay people for all the materials we've bought. And then after Oceago, well, if we have to improve it or redefine it or change it before we scale up and meet the demand, people are already emailing us asking for them, and we're like, ah, we only have three, <laughs> and we got to make sure they work before we go and say, okay, let's make twenty. Right? Mm-hmm. They work. We've tested that they work, but we want to make sure they're the best product out there. So. 
you said you're two percent away. Yeah, like I need so seven hundred dollars. So even like ten dollars will make a difference. Yes. So I haven't made a a donation yet, but I will okay. tomorrow. It's gonna be a, probably a small one like that. Yeah, because ten bucks is great. Like um like a marine biology, mm-hmm. uh, radio hosts don't necessarily make the That's most great. money That's either. What, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Anything helps. Yeah. I'm talking about it too. Because uh, no, I want to see this succeed. You're super passionate about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're, like we're we're about done here because Great. I think we've been talking for about an hour. Yeah. Um, but do you have any lasting thoughts about everything we spoke um, about that you'd like to to get out there? Like, what's the message you want to wrap this up with? I, I mean, if people have listened all the way to the end and have been amazed, or just like go, go number one, go for it. You know, if you want to do something silly and you think it has no purpose, you'll find your purpose. Um, number two is. Um, Try your best, just like you, and don't be too hard on yourself. You know, like there, I still, I really like yogurt, and I still buy yogurt in a plastic cup. You know, like I, cause I, I can't make it at home. I try to suck. Like it just tastes, it gets all bacteria wise. So just don't be too hard on yourself that you can't do it perfectly. There are cheap options out there. Don't have to like spend lots of money and go all zero waste and have everything glass. Like if you have plastic Tupperware at home, use it still. Just don't maybe you know reheat stuff in there and keep food in there for a long time. Um, change is, is, is hard, you know, so be okay with that. And, and I think, uh, follow the greenstop.co and follow our story and tell people about it and tell people that you want to see us in, uh, you know, in the old port of Montreal in the summertime, the Lachine bike path, like, come on, we need water fountains in places. Cause it's just, we need to bat, beat that convenience guy and start going, making it easier for people. Well, listen, I think we're going to end up doing this again at some point. Yeah, so, uh, thanks. more stories. Thanks. So, yeah, more stories and more information. <laughs> thanks yeah. for coming in. I hope Mitch, uh, thank you. I hope the next time we do speak, in the the whole project is progressing exactly as you dream. Yeah, thank you. Thanks thank you. so much.